welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 10.45 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. How many love you some Jesus today? Amen. Amen. It's good to see you if you're a visitor. Again, just want to say welcome. It's always good to, to have you here. Um, if you're regular, it's always good to be with family. Um, so I just want to tell you a little bit about where we're going. Uh, last week, if you weren't here, um, we talked about um, this word strategic fruitfulness. And I'm going to tell you real quick, just backstory on that. Um, if you heard it last week, you're going to hear it again. But every year I kind of challenge our staff, like what's your word for 2019? What's your theme? Like what is it that's kind of directionally pointing you somewhere? Because I feel like if we've got a, a word or kind of a phrase that we, we feel like the Lord's kind of put on our hearts, then we've got at least somewhere we're aiming towards. And so we, we had all sorts of things that came out. Somebody had a word celebrate. Somebody had a word connection. Um, uh, somebody had a word like activation. And so all of these words were coming. Mine was letting go. Like I just felt like I needed to let go of things in this year so that I could be more fruitful for what God has. And so we got together. We were praying on Thursday a couple weeks ago, a month ago, a couple months ago, whatever it was. We were praying and uh, we were praying with this group on Thursday morning and this person uh, had come in and she just said, I really feel like I have a, a kind of a phrase for the church this year. And she said, the phrase the Lord really gave me was this word, uh, these two words, strategic fruitfulness. And, and I really, I loved it, man. I just, I wrote it down, I latched onto it. And, and the reason is, is because I felt like all the things that the Lord was showing us, connection and celebration and all of those things are all about being strategic and fruitful for the Lord, amen? And so I was like, well, let's just open up this new year in 2019 talking about strategic fruitfulness and what does that look like when we talk about the kingdom of God. And, and I shared with you this last week, but I, I love those two words. I love the word strategic because we serve a God who's very strategic. He's got a plan in all things. Like that's, there, there's, there's never a time where God second guesses himself, Amen. Isn't that good to know? There's never a time where, where God worries, like, I just don't know if this is going to work. It just doesn't happen. It's not him. It's not, it's not even in his DNA. When God does something, he already knew about it a long time ago. And so um, I love that God is strategic. He has a plan and a strategy in all things. And then that second word I shared with you last week, I love the word fruitful, because if you are a person in this room and you said yes to Jesus, anybody, I don't care if 10 years old, you said yes to Jesus at, at some confirmation a long time ago, or whether you're 80 years old, you said yes to Jesus. When you say yes to Jesus, the product of that, according to scriptures, that there's going to be something fruitful in your life. And it's not just a little bit, it says abundant fruit, amen? And it's not short-term fruit. It says not only would you be fruitful, but that you would produce fruit that lasts, meaning there's longevity to it. And so that word strategic fruitfulness really resonates with my heart because we serve a strategic God who calls us by the product of who we are in him to be fruitful. And so I said um, last week, I said, if there's anything else that you could do in the year 2019, this new year, if there's anything that you could do that would radically change your life, I said it would be what we were talked about last week was hearing the voice of God. And, and, and if you remember, I said, how many could use some more of that in your life? Every hand goes up. Of course, we want to hear the voice of God in our life. And, you know, how we do that is through his word and through other people, because it talks about how we spur one another on. God talks through his word all the time. I mean, you open the Bible up, God's word begins to talk to your hearts. Sometimes people have dreams and visions, scripture says. And so there's various ways in which God talks to us. But we said, if there was one thing that we could do, one phrase that we wanted to latch onto, it would be the phrase that we read out of Samuel, which is, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. You guys remember that? 
And so I began to think about that this week and, okay, Lord, where are we going to go from there? Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And so I actually tried to practice what I preach, okay? And uh, man, I felt like the more that I said, speak, Lord, your servant is listening, it was silence, all right? Like, I'm like, Lord, this is supposed to work. I mean, I just preached about this last week, right? Anybody feel that way at all? And, uh, and it wasn't working. And so um, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, Lord, where do you want us to go? Like, uh, what's this next strategic fruitfulness you're calling us to? And it was about Friday, and usually I try to start doing some, you know, stuff before then, but about Friday rolls around, and I really feel like um, what God had shown me through his word was this. You can hear the voice of God all the time, but if you don't have faith in action to do it, it doesn't matter. Amen. If you don't have faith behind what God is telling you to do, I felt so strongly that faith partnered with the voice of God is where the power comes from. But if you only say, I hear from God, I just don't do anything with it, what good is it? We'll never move on together as a church, and you'll never move on as an individual because you'll be stuck. And so today I want to talk about faith into action. Everybody say action. Maybe I'm crazy, all right? Maybe I'm crazy. I'm one of those parents, though, who if, if, if I tell my kids something to do, and, and maybe we just live in a different day and age, but if I tell my kids something to do, it's not a suggestion. Amen? Like if I write them a note and say, hey, the house better be clean by the time your mom and I get home, that's not like where they get to sit around and discuss, like, do we really want to do it, right? Like when I grew up, a note meant do it or die. Come on now. Let's go. Yeah? And so I'm just saying that, that when, when, when I'm talking to my kids and I'm saying, you need to go clean your room, I'm not looking for dialogue. I'm not looking for, dad, let's, let's work through this together. That's not, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for you to hear my voice. I'm looking at you, Tyson, because the rest of your siblings are never in here, all right? And, and when I say it, the expectation that I have is, yes, sir, what else can I do? Amen? Right? It never happens. I'm just saying, it doesn't always happen that way. But that's what I'm hoping for. And here's the thing. I feel like the Lord is the same way with us. Like here we are, and he wants dialogue. Don't get me wrong. He, like, he wants us to like, bounce things off and questions. But I feel like when we know that the Lord has charged us with something, when God has given us something, when God is speaking into our hearts, he's not looking for dialogue to go like, maybe this is for me. He's wanting obedience. Yes, sir, what else can I do? Amen. And so as we kind of work through this together, here's what I want you to know. Sometimes I think what happens, and just according to the word that, that, that I've read, especially in the Old Testament, is a lot of times when God speaks and we're simply, we're, we're not doing what he says, like we hear him, but we're not doing it, he just kind of goes silent. Because after a while, I think he gets, you know, he's, he's been talking to himself a lot because we're not, we're not putting any action with what he's telling us to do, Right? And so this is, this is a pivotal thing for us. If we want to be strategically fruitful, we've got to get this whole faith thing down a little bit more. Um, the expectation is that we act on what it is that God tells us to do. Like that's what a relationship in Jesus is. It's an expectation that we act on it. And why do we act on it? Because of what we just said. We have an intimate relationship with God. We're passionate for the things of God. Did you know that the things that you're passionate for, you do them without question? 
The things that you're passionate for, you do them without really thinking about it or going, oh, I just don't know about it. When you're passionate about something, I use this analogy. I'm picking on my kids a lot today. I use this analogy in first service, how, how I, we can, Christy and I can tell our kids, like, boys, go get your shoes on. And they can't find their shoes, and they're right there. Like, they're looking at them. Come on now, parents, right? Like, you go, go find your shoes. I can't find them. Did you look where you last put them? I did. And, like, I can see them in the hallway, Right? but yet they can find my cupcake that I hid in the closet in the pantry that nobody else knows about? Like, how do you find that up on a shelf that nobody knows about, but you can't find your shoes right in front of you? Because they're not passionate to put their shoes on. I'm lucky if they have clothes on, right? But they're passionate for dad's cupcake. Here's the thing. When you want something in your life bad enough, you'll go after it with everything that you have. So in your faith life and putting action to your faith the question is is that the passion that drives you because if it is you'll go after it without question without hesitation god said to do it i'm going to do it god said to go i'm going to go god said to move i'm going to move god said to stop i'm going to stop something is stirring your heart's desire in that intimate relationship that you <clears throat> excuse me have with jesus in this place today every single person in here exercises faith on a daily basis whether you're a believer or not, whether you're saying you're doing it for the Lord or you're not, it doesn't really matter in this moment. Every person who's here today exercised faith. You climbed into a car, right? You climbed into a car. You put your faith that that car was going to get you from A to Z. You put your faith that nobody's going to hit you or sideswipe you in that car. You put your faith that you're going to get here. You exercised faith in some way. If you're getting ready to get on a plane, you're exercising faith, Right? That this tin can is flying in the sky and somebody like said drag and lift and all that. You know what I'm saying? Like that's crazy when you think about it. We exercise faith on a daily basis in our life. And so I want you to hear this. When we read the word of God and we say, God, speak for your servant is listening. Are we exercising our faith in action? Do we think it's a suggestion? Are we doing something with it. Let me show you how important this is in Scripture. I'm going to read through a ton of Scripture today. It'll all be up there on the screen. You can jot it down if you want. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38 says this, but my righteous, but my righteous will, my, my, but my righteous one will live by, everybody say faith. faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. My righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. Shrinks back from what? Shrinks back from faith. Look what he says in Hebrews 11:6. Without faith, it is impossible. I say impossible. It is impossible to please God. So if we know that we were created to worship, if we know that we were created for God's goodwill and God's good pleasure, if we were to know that we were created for God's love, if that's what we know we were created for, and he just says it's impossible to live out that without faith because it's impossible to please God, he says, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards, amen, those who earnestly seek him. That's a whole nother message, but that's a cool one. But if we know this, that, that it's impossible to please God without faith, why is faith not something we're going after even harder? Not a knowledge of God. I've got a knowledge of God. I learned about him when I was three at VBS. I'm talking about relationship where faith is driving you and I. Faith is in the driving seat. I'm hearing God. He's giving me directions, and I'm driving and doing what he's telling me to do. Amen, church? 
So, and you've heard us say this in here numerous times. So according to Hebrews then, if it's what pleases God and we, it's impossible to please him without it, and if we know that the righteous will live by faith and God takes no pleasure in those who shrink back, then you could say then that faith, in terms of heaven and earth, faith is the currency that we have with God. Faith is the currency that we have with God because it's how we live, it's how we please God, it's how we move in the things of God. If you look at Romans chapter 4, verse 3, it says that Abraham believed God. And here's what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to convince in your mind how important faith is for a minute. Abraham believed God and it was credited. Everybody say credited. It was credited to him as righteousness. So Abraham in and of himself was a sinful man. Abraham in and of himself did sinful things. Abraham in and of himself did not have righteousness in him because he was doing good things every day. Here's what he, was righteousness in him. He simply believed God and put faith in God and who God said he was. Amen? And because he put faith in God, God credited to him that faith that he put in God and he counted him as righteous because he put his faith in God. I'm fascinated. You read all through the scripture of people that sought out Jesus and, and these people that sought out Jesus were looking for those miracles, the people that sought out Jesus were looking for healings and those kinds of things. And I'm fascinated that they sought out Jesus because of what they believed that he could do. There was a measure of trust in their lives. Let me just like, like read these off to you real quickly because I think they're important. Here's what I want to do. I want to sharpen us today. I want to train us today. I'm not, I don't want to give you some like goosebump experience, all right? I want to sharpen and train our minds of how important faith is. Look what he says in Matthew 8, 26. So Jesus is in the boat. You guys remember the story? The disciples are in the boat. The storm comes. Jesus is asleep. Frustrating, right? Jesus is asleep. The disciples are screaming and yelling. Jesus responds, and he says, why are you afraid you have such little faith then he got up, rebuked the wind and the waves. Suddenly there was a great calm. Matthew 14, 31, Peter's walking on the water and all of a sudden he begins to sink. Jesus reached out and grabbed Peter. You have such little faith. Why did you doubt me? So, so these first two examples are two examples of the, the, the disciples with Jesus and there's a level of faith that's missing in their life and because of that, Jesus is like, what? man, why is your faith so small? Now look at these other ones here. Matthew 9, 22, a woman who's been bleeding for 12 years. She's got an ailment where she is bleeding for 12 years in her body. She's considered unclean because of it. 12 years. She's the one who crawled through the crowd on her hands and knees to touch the hem of the garment of Jesus. And all of a sudden, Jesus turned around when he felt the woman touch the hem of his garment. And he saw her and he says, daughter, be encouraged. Your, everybody say faith. Faith has made you well. And the woman was healed at that moment. Matthew 15, 28, there was a woman who came to Jesus and she asked for healing for her daughter. So Jesus, please, 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 please heal my daughter. Jesus said in verse 28, dear woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great. Your request is granted. And her daughter was instantly healed. Now, now look, there's instances in scripture too where somebody didn't know who he was and Jesus used a miracle to bring them into faith, Amen. There's other instances, man, where, where a guy came to Jesus who wanted his son healed, and he says, you can heal him, and, and yada, 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 and, and he says, do you have faith? And he says, I do, but help me with my unbelief. So Jesus, there's times where he still meets us where we're at, amen? And he still does a work inside of our life. But the gist of this is, because there's so many scriptures, this identity of faith is tagged on to each one of these. 
what he's trying to bring us into, what he's trying to raise up inside us, what he's trying to sharpen in us, what he's trying to train within us is this identity of faith. And here's why. Faith is the start of our victory. Amen? Faith is the start of our victory. First Peter 5, 8, and 9. Let me read this to you. Be alert and sober of a sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Look what it says about in verse 9. Resist him standing firm in the faith. How do we resist the devil? We stand firm in faith. How do we come against the things coming against us? We stand firm in faith. Before I ever have to grab a weapon, before I ever have to fight back with those things, I first remind myself that I have faith in God and God is bigger than Satan. Amen? So we, we, we start with this identity of victory by first understanding that faith is the start of our victory. I can hear from God and I'm listening to God and I'm reading the word and I'm hearing from the Lord and I have faith now that's going to do something with it. One of my favorite uh, scripture verses uh, from the Old Testament and I really believe it's, it's a great uh, uh, verse that talks about how sometimes our faith is tested as well is the story of Gideon. If you've never heard of the story of Gideon, um, Gideon, he, he's getting ready to become judge over Israel. And uh, in these days, they didn't have kings. God appointed judges to kind of help rule the people of Israel and decide between disputes and lead them into war and, and battles and those kinds of things. So he selects Gideon as the judge over Israel. And there was a, a group called the Midianites. And the Midianites were just, they were brutal to the Israelite people. I mean, they were brutal. They, were, uh, they came against them constantly. They, they smothered them out constantly. They constantly, it was just, it was bondage for them. And so God heard the Israelites cry out and say, God, save us. You didn't bring us here to just get us smothered by the Midianites. Save us from the Midianites. So God raises up Gideon. And uh, Gideon recalls when he spies in on the Midianites, he recalls what he sees. And he says, their army is so vast, it's like the, the sand on the seashore. There's so many in the Midianite army that I can't even count them all, right? And this is why this story is so fascinating. We'll pick up in Judges chapter 7, verses 1 through 8. The armies of Midian were camped north of them in the valley of the hill of Morai. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you, said no general ever, right? Yeah, look, you got way too many troops. It's not fair, right? Like nobody says that, which is why I love this story. So he says to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. Now in that moment, I'm sure Gideon, in that moment, he had to decide, am I going to listen to what the rest of this stuff is that God has to say? Or am I just done with it right here? There are times in our life where God's going to say something to you and it sounds so profound that you've got to decide, am I going to still go on this journey or am I going to stop here because it just doesn't sound right? So, so you'll see where Gideon's like, man, I'm faithful. I'm faithful to the end. So in that moment, I'm sure Gideon in his heart, he's going, I, you, I just said their army's as big as the sand of the seashore. Like, like, there's no end to their army and you're saying I have too many troops. We're already outnumbered. But look what he says. He goes on. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me and say that they have saved themselves by their own strength. That's not faith. Look, if you're strong enough to do it, you don't need faith, right? If you can do it in your own strength, you, you, you don't need faith. So God's going, look, I want to do something in your life. I don't need your strength. I want you to have faith in my strength. I'm trying to change something. I'm trying to sharpen something here, right? He says, so he says, therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. Listen to this. 22,000 of them went home. 
They were being honest with themselves in their heart. Praise the Lord. Yes, Gideon, you have heard from God, right? Leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. So you've got an army of 32,000 men here that was probably in their minds going, this is doable. Like 32,000 against the Midianites, like maybe we can do this. Now 22,000 leave, and I'm fascinated that the 10,000 that were still left remaining stayed there for a moment. But God wasn't done testing Gideon's faith. But the Lord told Gideon, there are still too many. Now at this point in time, Gideon's probably going, now I know I'm not hearing from the Lord, right? This is the second hump, right? This is the second thing he's got to get over. The first one was like, okay, God, I heard you. I obeyed 10,000. I can still do this. Like, it's going to take a miracle, but I can still do this. It's going to take a miracle, but I can still do this. Now he says, you still have too many. Now it's not just it's going to take a miracle. It has to be you, God. Like, it's not just a miracle. I mean, it's like a supernatural miracle, 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 right? Is there such thing as a super miracle? Anyways. <laughs> but the Lord told Gideon, there are still too many. Bring them down to the spring, and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord said, told him, divide the men into two groups. In one group, put all those who cup water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. Like that, I love that. So it's the guys that like pick up the water and they're looking like, right? That's a weird face, sorry. And then on the other, he says, and on the other, right, in the other group, put all those who kneel and drink down with their mouths in the stream. They're not looking up. They're not even aware of the surroundings around them. They're just down, faces in the water. They're just drinking it up. Only 300 of the men drank from their hands. Only 300 out of the 32,000 were aware of what was going on around them as they were looking. And here's the deal. Only 300 of the men drank from their hands. All the others got down their knees, drank with their mouths in the stream. The Lord told Gideon, with these 300 men, they were ready. With these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. So Gideon collected provisions, the ram's horns, all the other warriors, sent them home, but he kept the 300 with him. I think there's something very significant we don't have time to talk about today of, of the men who got down and picked the water up and they were aware of their surroundings. And I would just tell you, man, when God's speaking, be aware of your surroundings because he's got something for you. Amen? But that's, an, that's another story. So here's the deal. Here's some observations that I'm making from Gideon. This is a weird story. <laughs> this is an incredibly weird story, like unheard of. And here's why. Because it's not the way the world would do it through their eyes. Okay? So the number one observation is I want you to hear this. We need to note that faith in action, when God is putting action to your faith, it may not always look strategic in the world's eyes. Okay, Because strategic in the world's eyes would be like, if I'm going to go to war, I'm going to get as many people as I can to go to war with me. If I'm going to go to battle, I'm going to get as many people as I can to go. And if I look and I see that the number of the soldiers that I'm fighting against are still greater than mine, I'm not going anywhere until I add to my army. And I'm still not going anywhere until either I'm matched up with the same size as them or until I have more than them, right? This is the strategy of the world. Like, your army better be bigger and badder than their army. But when God calls you in faith to action, it's all about his desire to teach you that his will will always be bigger than the enemy's will. That your faith in him will always produce something bigger than the enemy can produce, Faith and action may not always look strategic in the world's eyes. Now, number two, putting action to faith is about trusting that God can do the impossible with little or much. I can't even tell. I could, I could give you a thousand stories, man, on this for reliance. 
They give you thousands of stories. When we first became Reliance Community Church two, almost, almost two years ago, almost coming up on two years, amen? Almost two years. When we became Reliance Community Church almost two years ago, man, we had little, okay? We had little that God made much of. We had little that God made much of. And that's why we're so passionate about sowing what we have now into the little that's out there of people that need that so that we can be the kingdom of God together. Another another awesome testament that we'll share down the road. But so putting action to faith is about trusting that God can do the impossible with little or much. Listen to what he says in Matthew 17, 20. You guys have heard this before, but listen to what he says. Jesus is telling the disciples about faith of that mustard seed. I tell you the truth, if you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could do, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. We've talked about this in here. That, that was never a scripture verse of God saying, so go to Colorado and stand before mountains and say, move, right? That's not what he was after. He wasn't saying, like, go and, and try to move mountains around. It might shift some things. Somebody's going to get ticked. All right? I'm just saying, all right? What he is trying to show you is this. When Jesus is getting across to you, what Jesus is getting across to you and I is that a little bit of faith affects a ton of things. A little bit of faith affects a ton of things. And I've shared this quote in here before, but it says, faith does not make God real. God is real. Faith is a response to a real God. That's what faith is all about. And so the struggle that I think that we have when we talk about faith, real quickly, the struggle is I think that most of us in this room, when we talk about faith, we struggle, first of all, in having faith that God is over all things. Can we just be honest? I have faith in God. I just don't know about God being over all things. And the second thing I think we struggle with is that because I have a struggle believing that maybe God isn't over all things, I struggle in having action with my faith in all things. Like I just, I just simply, there's some things that I have faith in, there's just some things that I don't. Can I just ask a personal question? How many of you guys have ever had your faith rocked in here? Anybody? Yeah? So, so if you're breathing, pretty much, right? So pretty much every person here at some point in time has had their faith rocked. And, and can we just, one more personal question. Did it change the way you trusted God? Because it did for me. And, and, and for some, it changed the way we trusted God, and you had to work through it, and maybe now you trust him more than ever before. For others, it changed the way we trusted God, and we still struggle with trusting God to the fullest extent. I want, I want you to hear, I think, I think this is why faith is such a big deal to us, because there's not a, pretty much, there wasn't a hand in here who says that they've never had their faith in life rocked at some point in time. And so because of that, the way then in which we see God, because our faith has been rocked, is now jaded. Either it's pointed you to go more in his direction, and you've grown in that, or it's caused you to kind of be in a stillness where you're like, I want to trust, I just don't know. Or for some of you in this room, if you just, if it was just one-on-one confession time, you'd say, I absolutely don't trust God. So it's this identity of what happens when God doesn't meet our expectations. What happens when God doesn't meet what we thought was going to happen? And many times when that is the case, we just simply back away with action to our faith. We still believe in God. Listen to me, church. When God doesn't meet our expectations, we still believe in God. We just don't put action to our belief. That's why we have people in, in, in our world, especially in the United States, we have everybody's a Christian. You're a Christian, I'm a Christian. You're a Christian, I'm a Christian. What does that look like? Do you put action to it? No, I mean, I believe God right here. I believe that there's probably a God in the universe somewhere. And yet all through Scripture, all through the Bible, 
it says if we believe, it's not just a thought, but it's an action behind it. Amen? So let me give you a couple observations of because of the struggle that we have in that. Just real quickly, this is very practical. Let's just get practical for a minute. Why, why do we struggle with it and, and what faith is and what faith isn't? Let me just give you three things real quickly of what faith is not, okay? The goal of faith is, and I've shared these long, long time ago. I'm going to share them again. The goal of faith is not to get us out of trouble, amen? The goal of faith is not to get us out of trouble. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Um, you're on the edge of the cliff, right, and you got yourself there. You're hanging onto that rope, and it's, it's almost ready to break or whatever it is, and you start to beg with God, like, I will never cuss again, God. If you get me out of this, I will serve the homeless ministry every Sunday, not just the first Sundays, and I'll stop watching Chiefs games, right, or whatever, right? You start bargaining with God. Anybody, come on now. You're in that moment. And, and, and everything's crashing down around you. You've gotten a bad relationship. And God, if you would just save this, if you would just redeem this, I will. And you start bargaining with God. I will, I will never miss Bible study again. I'll stop cheating on my taxes. I will, whatever, right? Like something in you realizes you've got all these bargaining chips that you think you have with the God of the universe. And so you start bargaining with the God of the universe. If you just get me out of this, then I'll... Whatever. And so I want you to hear that, that faith is not to just get you out of trouble. You're not putting your faith in God so he gets you out of something. That's important to know that. Now, I do need you to hear this, though. We typically come to Jesus in our deepest time of need. Very few people come to Jesus when they have all the success in the world and they're like, man, I am like the most powerful person in the world, but I need Jesus. It just doesn't happen very often. Usually something crashes in life, you have a longing inside, you feel lonely, you feel desperate, you feel whatever, and so you find relationship with God, you realize, wow, the God of the universe is alive and he fills me like nothing I've ever experienced before. And so, so most of us come to Jesus in that place. The problem is this, because we come to Jesus out of an initial need, we can develop hearts that are entitled now to whatever we want. So I came to you in need, you helped me in that need, now every time I come to you, you're supposed to get me out of this situation. Understand that, that that's not what faith is all about. Sometimes God has us in a situation because he's trying to teach, uh, train us, teach us, sharpen us, maybe to leave that situation or whatever it may be. Number two, uh, the goal of faith is not to get a reward. Okay? Th this is a big one. The goal of faith is not to get a reward. I, I know, and I've grown up around it in my life before, but sometimes we take the name it, claim it a little too far, Right? Sometimes we take the name and claim it a little bit too far. I want you to hear Jesus never spoke of faith so that we would get rewarded for whatever we want. So, so no matter how long and desperately I have prayed, prayed for that brand new Ford F-150 four by four, right? Whatever, right? No matter how long I've prayed for that, you know, condo in Colorado on the side of the mountain that God and I are talking about, right? Whatever. No matter how much we've prayed, whatever it is that you've prayed about, no matter how much you've prayed, it doesn't mean that if I just, if I just, if I just push God in my faith, he will give that to me. Now listen, you petition God. Maybe he does have it for you. Maybe he wants to give it to you. But I want you to know something, brothers and sisters. We've got friends. Ryan, when he called me from Wanda, my brother, who's over there leading that trip in Wanda, when he called me, he says, Aaron, these people have nothing in their homes. They don't have Bibles. They live on dirt floors. They have nothing in their homes. And they were building the school there in Rwanda. He said, this school in Rwanda will be everything that they have. He says, these people have given their life to Jesus. Most, and in many other countries, many times, if, if you're a Christian, you get your land stripped away from you. Not over there, but in many other countries. Many times, if you become a Christian, you lose your life. 
And so if we think that saying I'm going to have faith in God is simply going to be to reward me, we are wrong, brothers and sisters. Amen? Amen. Now, it does not, and I'm not taking away. Does God want to give his kids good gifts? Yes, Scripture says that. Pray for that condo. Pray for that truck. Pray for whatever it is that you're praying for. And if God gives it to you, man, that's awesome. But don't sit there and think that God is unfaithful if you don't get it. Because he's still faithful. Number three, uh, the goal of faith is not, and we talked about this with Gideon, it's not to live in our own strength and ability. Um, God is stripping everything down when we think we have it all so that he can show us what true faith is all about. Um, faith isn't something that's always seen. Okay, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain for what we do not see, but our actions should be seen. Amen? Our actions, like how we're working this thing out, Listen to what James says. Here's, here's where this comes from. James 1, We're almost done. James 1, through 24. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Church, listen to this. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. We just talked about hearing from God. Last week we said if there's anything that you could do, it would be that you would press in, you would say what Samuel said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. But what if God begins to speak and we're hearing the word? We're hearing the word of God. What if God is impressing things on our life and yet we're doing nothing with it? Then we're doing what James 1.22 says. Do not merely listen to the word. And what does he say it is? Everybody say deception. deception. Deceive yourself. God, I'm in. I'm faithful because I read the Bible. I'm faithful because I read the Bible. I'm faithful because I go to Bible study. That's great if you read the Bible and go to Bible study. The question is, how is it transforming your life? Where is faith being produced in that? Where is your faith turning into action from that? Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what his face looks like. Your faith is reflected, should be reflected in everything that you do. Me, so what do we do with this? What do we do with this? I want to say, um, first of all, um, obedience and faith bring results. Isaiah 55, 11 says, so in my word that goes out from my mouth, so, 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 so is my word that goes out from my mouth, it will not return empty. That word empty, the, the, the meaning of that, it will not return useless or without result, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. If we listen to the word of God and we do what it says, there will be results. Let me just challenge you with something real quickly in your life, life for Christ. Are you seeing, and we're not results-oriented, the result is Jesus always, right? Always Jesus. But are you seeing something different in your life from when you first came to Christ? Outside of your Sunday attendance, that you signed up for a life group, that you came to Christmas caroling, which was awesome, all right? Outside of activity, do you see something directly being changed inside of your life? Just think about that. And then I want to I read to you, so what, what do we do with this? Number one, we become a person whose faith is in action. Um, th- this one, we talk about this a lot. It's, it's always kind of a scary one to me. James 2.19 says, you believe in God? You say you believe in God? Great. Awesome. Even the demons believe in God. And I've always been gripped by that. We talk about that a lot here, but I've always been gripped because what he's trying to say is, you say you believe in God? <laughs> Satan believes in God. 
And so he says this, even the demons believe in God and shudder with fear. If they're shuddering with fear, are we shuddering with fear that pushes us into action? The fear and the love of God that pushes us into action, is our faith doing something in us? Listen, listen to the second one. Rest in the confidence that God has already taken care of your situation. So how are we working this faith thing out in our life? One, we're putting faith into action. Two, if you're struggling with faith, rest in the confidence that God has already taken care of your situation. Matthew 6, 8 says, your father already knows what you need before you ask him. If right now you're struggling with a faithful issue in a situation, you're struggling with a faithful issue in a relationship, you're struggling with a faithful whatever, and you're just like, I just don't know, God. Know this, God knows what you need before you even ask him. Trust him. Trust that he's already got your situation taken care of. Number three, faith then believes even when you can't see the evidence in the natural. All, all through the word, man, there's times where God will give somebody something. I'll use Abraham as an example. God tells Abraham, I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the sands on the seashore. Abraham's thinking, holy smokes, I'm going to have thousands of sons, Right? Me and Sarah, we better get busy, right? And all of a sudden, man, he realizes he has one son, Isaac. He's like, what's up with that? But he didn't lose faith. He trusted, like, okay, God, you can do with one. Remember, faith means God can do it for the little. He can do with a little anything. He can do with much as well. You can do with one as much as you want to do. And so we know that today, we right here, as believers, we're called descendants of Abraham because we're believers and God adopted us into the family of God. It's a beautiful picture of what God can do. And so even when you don't get to see it in the natural, it does not mean that God isn't doing it. Amen? God is still moving in that. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And here's what I want to do today. I'm going to invite the pray, uh, prayer team. They're going to come up as well. Here's some practical. Let's do some practical training today. The prayer team is going to be up here on both sides. And as they are, if you are somebody who struggles with faith and you're ready to say, God, I want action in my faith. And you need prayer for that. I want to ask you just to spend some time just praying in faith in your life. Because you can hear from God all day long. But if we're not willing to run and act on the things that God tells us in his word, through other people, whatever, then, then we're missing out on what God has for us. And so I'm going to ask you, if, if that's a struggle for you, faith is a struggle, I want to ask you to take some time and pray. If there's some things you need prayer for, this prayer team is awesome. These guys are awesome. And they just want to pray in bigger faith in your life. They just want to pray in that God would use you in, in a faithful way. They just want to pray in over your circumstance that you're struggling with in faith, whatever it is. And, and as they do that, I want to encourage you with this church more than anything else. I want to encourage you with this, that if you take what we talked about last week, which is hearing the voice of God, and you put faith and action into it, just, just try, watch what God does. Watch what God does with you. Watch what God does with the church, not just reliance. Watch what God does with the community of churches. Watch what God does. There's a, a thing I, I've read to you years ago in here, and I want to read it. So I worked at Sedgwick County Zoo when I was a sophomore in high school, junior in high school, senior in high school, and did the, got to work in the horticulture and, and so um, got to see all the animals and all those kind of things. It was a cool little gig. But there are those little, um, those little impalas, you know, those little tiny deer, right, um, that, that are in, bound in this little area that j literally has this little wall. It's just three foot high, two, three foot high wall. That's it. So you got these deer that can jump up to seven, nine feet high, whatever it is. 
They can, just, they can jump as high as any fence that you could ever build for them, really. They could jump, and yet there's this little tiny brick wall that keeps them in there. It's got this little gate, and you gotta go through the access of both gates, if you've ever seen that at the zoo. I was always fascinated by that. These animals can jump nine, 10 feet high. They can jump 30 feet out. I mean, with one bound, they could be from here into the middle of the stage right there. These animals fascinated me. And I'd always ask the Duke, I'm like, how does this little tiny wall that's not even three foot high, how does it keep them in? These things are incredible animals. They can jump out of anything that you would want to put them in. And as I'm talking to them and they're telling me these things, they said, that little three foot wall is used to enclose them because they won't jump over that little three foot wall if they can't see where their feet are gonna land. I was just fascinated by that. And I shared that years ago, but these animals that could jump out of this enclosure, that could do great things, they won't jump over a little three foot wall because they can't see where they're gonna land. And I'm wondering if for you and I in here today, our faith is such a struggle to put action to it because we want to jump over the enclosure that we're bound in. We want to jump over. We want to see those things that God has for us, but we're not 100% sure where our feet are going to land. So if that's you today, I want to pray faith over you and pray that God stirs something inside of us. You guys pray with us. God, we just pray for a deeper faith to come over this body of believers today. God, I know that some people feel bound by a little three-foot fence because at the end of the day, they're afraid to jump over. They don't know where their feet are gonna land. There are others in this place, God, who've been listening. They're ready to take on that challenge of last week of speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. But now you're challenging their heart that it's not just speak for your servant is listening. It's I will do what you say. I will put action to my faith. And so, God, I'm praying that from this, you would stir in this congregation right here that you would stir inside of us a desire to grow deeper and go further in our faith than we've ever gone before. So Jesus, we speak that over. If there's any obstacle that's holding anybody back, any unbelief that's holding anybody back, I pray that they can begin to deal with that today, Father. I pray, Jesus, that you would set us free to walk in the faith that you've called us to. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. We gotta stand. The altar's open if you need prayer. The prayer team is ready to go. If you guys just need a little bit of deeper prayer, let's go after it. Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.